All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 78, the Pierre Edouard Belmar episode of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger. We welcome in Frank Saravalli from Daily Face Off. Frank, how are you? How was your weekend? It was busy. A uh, little night out with Mike McKenna on Saturday night. He was in Philly for the Warriors Classic tournament uh, held at the Flyers practice facility. They had teams from around the country, uh, almost every NHL city um, represented for military veterans, disabled military veterans to play hockey. Uh, an awesome way to see hockey heels. And uh, Mike was out here coaching the one of the teams from St. Louis. So uh, exciting to catch up with him in person, get a, get a dinner and get a few drinks. So it was great. How's his groins feeling after playing goal for the first time? <laughs> he, he was a little sore, um, it, you know, to be expected, I guess, but he loved uh, being back on the ice and, and being out with the guys at Blues practice last Sunday, filling in and just an exciting you know time for him in general. You know, you're, when your kids are little and you play pro hockey, I'd imagine you know they don't remember a lot, but for your daughter to be there with the kids on her team uh, to see your dad play in an NHL jersey even in practice is probably pretty exciting. Oh, yeah, I, I would think so. And um, well, let's start there. Uh, pretty exciting, I would think, as we talk goaltending for. Uh, 
Marc-Andre Fleury and everybody in Chicago, they make the coaching change uh, that, that seemed to me inevitable. The, the Blackhawks, I know it's only one game and there's always that bounce back, Frank, but uh, before this pod started, you told me the Blackhawks against Nashville, that's the lowest shot totals they've had in a year and a half. And I watched that game and and I was told that the Hawks, their mere defense was terrible to play, right? You kind of, you keep the, the offensive guy between you and the net. You don't really attack and the players didn't really like it. Well, obviously under Derek King, that changed last night and, it's early, but, uh, you know, the Hawks look like a very different team without their coach. Yeah, they do. And I wonder, you know, is it too late? I don't know. I mean, is there a chance that they could possibly get back in the race? They're, they're actually, they've played more games than anyone else in the central, but they're basically, you know, eight points back of maybe 10, if you include the games in hand of a playoff spot in the central, probably, a lot of ground to make up, not impossible. If they get the goaltending from Mark Andre Fleury, they button down defensively and find a way to continue to score. Um, the scoring hasn't really been so much of a problem. 28 goals this year. You know, there's teams ahead of them in the playoff race that are only 30, 32, 34. So it's not been the scoring. It's been the defending to your point A dash 20. They're in the, sadly in the, the green jacket sweepstakes with the Arizona coyotes who, historic already a dash 30 to start the year and they've played one fewer game than the Hawks. So um, we'll keep an eye on, on the changes with Derek King. I mean, I think in this case it was time for Jeremy Colleton when they made the move on Saturday to your point, I think the, the response from everyone around the team after Friday night's loss was this is just flat out unacceptable. There's a lot of things we can tolerate. That wasn't one of them. And in this case, they make the change. And, you know, it's important to point out, too, one of the things we talked about a few weeks ago when we talked about Jeremy Colleton's job security, well, at the moment in time, he, he had the backing of Stan Bowman as general manager. Now, of course, Kyle Davidson is the assistant, now interim, and he's a Stan Bowman disciple. And I think everyone liked Jeremy Colleton, what he brought. The hockey side, maybe not as much in terms of defensive zone play. You've been harping on that for months and months, like going back to last season in terms of something to pick at with Jeremy Colleton. Um, now they make the change. New guy in charge, interim GM Kyle Davidson making the call, which I think is interesting in its own right, gives you some kind of indication as to the influence that he has uh, as he takes over this interim spot. And we'll see where it all goes. Well, yeah, it can't, can't be any worse defensively. You pointed to their goals against. And, you know, with Patrick Kane, who got his 1100th career point last night, uh, you know, you've got an elite offensive player. Um, they don't necessarily have two, but they have one. And and that should be enough. And and I wonder, Frank, a few weeks ago, uh, we, we talked about, geez, Jordan Biddington might be the starting goaltender for Canada at the Olympics. Well, Carey Price is back on the ice today with Montreal. Now you've got Chicago with the defensive system. I, I just wonder how suddenly maybe, uh, you know, over the next few months, uh, Canada's goaltending could look back to what many of us thought it would be last May, which is price and flurry. Yeah. I mean, it's still not going to be team Canada's strength. The fact that we're at this point in the season and we're debating, you know, less than, you know, 60 days or so until the team roster announcements are made for Beijing. So uh, a lot can change between now and then it'd be nice to see flurry back in, in the race, because with the start of the season, I think a lot of people had counted him out. We'll see whether those stats and, and numbers can rebound. And I don't think anyone woke up this season and thought, Oh, Mark Andre flurry forgot how to play goaltender. Um, so, you know, we'll see how, um, you know, how the Hawks rebound. It's going to be a really big story 
if they can find a way to, to get or claw back into the race. Yeah, you're right. They got a long ways to go about it, but it is that's going to be uh, one storyline. Now, you mentioned Arizona. Uh, they avoided breaking a franchise record, Frank, so let's look for positives. Um, uh, they only went undefeated in a, in a, in a sorry, a winless in 11 for the second time in franchise history, but they got their first win, and, uh, and we'll see what if they get... What a stat that is, by the way. Scott Wedgwood, the guy in 2017-18, they claim him off waivers, exact same juncture with the record. He comes yeah. in and gets the win... Same thing happens. Scott Wedgwood comes in and gets the win. You know, that team is, we've talked about this before. That 2017-18 Arizona Coyotes team, they finished with 70 points, which is like, it's bananas to think about because the last, so they, they were kind of in a really ugly spot through 20. We'll see if what these Coyotes look like through 20. They've got eight games to go. But they ended up getting 30 points in 36 out of their last 62 to close the season. So, you know, at least uh, uh, one point in half of their remaining games, which is crazy to think about. Well, speaking of uh, odd dates, Frank, uh, did you know that on November 6, 2018, uh, Derek King was promoted as the interim head coach of the Rock of, in Rockford when he replaced Colleton? And then on November 6th, three years to the day, he replaced Jeremy Carlton as the interim coach of the Chicago Blackhawks. And, um, you know, King's an interesting one, you know, former player, longtime player was a skilled guy, uh, you know, wasn't elite forward, but was a smart top six forward. And, and I'm curious to see, like, he's had some coaching experience here for the last few years in the American league. Like I, I think he has more pro experience in, in North America coming in as a head coach than Carlton had. And I wonder if that's going to benefit him at all. I'd imagine it would. I mean, any kind of experience helps my bigger question with the Hawks isn't necessarily so much the coaching situation or even, even their GM search that's about to begin. My question is how does this team start trending in the right direction? You know, what are the, what is this roster? You, you look for difference makers, right? You're trying to count difference makers. How many are there? You mentioned one elite forward to get to where they want to get to. Do they have to start thinking about, who their trade chips are and would Kane have to enter that conversation? I think that to me is the big question of, of Chicago season. I'm not stirring the pot and saying that he's out there. All I'm saying is the question probably needs to start being asked. What happens with Patrick Kane at Chicago? Oh, Frank, if he goes out there, man, he would be highly sought after. He is such an electrifying player uh, in this regular season and in the playoffs. And he really, he hasn't, there's been no decline in Patrick Kane's game. If you look at it for the most part, like he has been very good now, you know, they got Jones and they got McCabe and I still think they're high on Kirby doc and you know, you got flurry, but you're right. That's, that's a valid question. Who's who's really bringing back a a big return to help jumpstart things. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, look at the return for Jack Eichel, right? You got, you got Tuck and, and you got Krebs and you got a first rounder like you and, and Jack. And I think in a lot of ways, that's probably like middling. Like there's so no, many I agree. circumstances yes. compared to a healthy Patrick Kane, who's still only 32. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I'd have to, if you're looking at the list, you're, you're going, okay, they're impact players to bring it. You know, would you consider trading a Kubalik? Like, I mean, what about Taves? How big is the return going to be? The cap hit is what gets in the way because he's not producing up to his number. Yeah. Whereas with Kane, he is, and he'd have another year left on his deal. 
Yeah. I'm not saying they're thinking about it, but I think it'd be odd if that wasn't at least a conversation in their front office at some point. Yeah, it'd be an interesting one because Kane, last five years, uh, only dry settled McDavid had more points than him. Like Kane's Kane has been out. Isn't that the exact argument for for making a trade? Yeah, yeah. It would be tough though. Man, it'd be tough. You're Chicago, you're give like you want to rebuild, but you're just giving up your best piece. And usually you rarely, rarely win that trade uh long term. So now uh, I guess the question is how long is Patrick Kane playing and how long is he super productive? Yeah. Because he's gonna, he only has one additional year left on his deal, so he's gonna need to be paid again. What if he's Ovi? I could see it. I could yeah. like the way he plays, the way he skates, his energy. Like I, I could see him playing till forty-two, a whole, a whole another ten years. Yeah, like what about Ovechkin? He's got ten goals already in eleven games. He's tied Machine. for the league. League like uh, Leon Drysaddle at uh, ten goals in ten games. He leads the NHL with twenty-three points. Uh, you know, uh, we're going to get to uh, the McDavid goal a little bit later on and fill in the blanks. But I want to go to the Pacific, Frank, and talk about, I think, easily the surprise in the Western Conference. There's no question. Early on, the Anaheim Ducks. The Anaheim Ducks are sitting third in the Pacific. Now, I know they've played more games than other teams, mm-hmm. but they've, they've won half their games. They got three overtime loss points as well. And Troy Terry, eight goals, 14 points. He's over a point a game player. Like, you said it earlier to start the season. Um, you said if the Anaheim Ducks were in the conversation for the playoffs, Dallas Akins would have to be in the running for coach of the year. Well, here they are. Sneaky, and sneaky. Yeah. Like they've been, I, they've I got been a tweet really from good. someone yesterday. It was like, Hey, do you have uh, some random fanny? Like, do you have Dallas Akins address? Might need to send him the Jack Adams last night after the game. Like, Oh, I like it. Someone's listening. Yeah. Well, give for, credit, I mean, Troy man, Terry like, been, been, it's bananas. That, that 11 game point streak that he's on didn't have a point in the first game. Now as, 12 games, eight goals, 14 points. I mean, it's the guy's been on an absolute tear. You you know, you get some other contributions from some other young guys, like a, a BO grew comes in last night, first NHL goal. Like it's this team is, I don't know what necessarily has enabled them to turn the corner here. Obviously, you know, you mentioned the power play and how historically bad it was last season then they kind of, you know, this year it's yes, the power play has been working, but a lot of what you're seeing is, is a lot of the same or similar pieces that they had on the roster last year. So what is aside from experience, what's enabling them to take the next step? That's the question that I'd have. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with Lindholm being healthy, Josh Manson being healthy. There's two of your top four defensemen. You, it's hard to just find, you know, two top four defensemen. And and I'm curious about this, Frank. The Ducks, we were like, ah, oh, they might trade off some guys because Lindholm's an R- a UFA and Manson's a UFA and Ricard Raquel's a UFA. Well, what if the Ducks are in a playoff position then? Then what do they do? You keep them, you roll the dice. Like, yeah. this is your team moving forward. You got to send the message that we're establishing a winning culture. We're not just going to pluck pieces off just to do it. Yeah, like I think I, Manson- That's, I think, the message you have to send. Yeah, like Manson and Lindholm, I know they'd like to re-sign both of them. I've, I've heard that the, the chances of Raquel coming back are probably fairly low at this point. Doesn't mean you have to trade him. Lots of teams let a guy go as a free agent. He wouldn't be the first one. He's not an elite player. He's a solid player. But I think if you know if Manson and Lindholm get back and their team's competitive and they look around the room and they're competitive because it's a lot of young guys coming, you know, you got Zegris and Drysdale and Troy Terry and, you know, many other. Max Jones is out, right, for another four months. So I, I yeah. think that possibility might entice Manson and Lindholm who are veterans, but more like younger veterans to, to want to resign. What's so attractive to me about what Anaheim is doing is their cap picture. 
Like when yes. you take a look at their cap, basically they're icing a roster right now that is somewhere around 57, 56 million bucks. And that includes Silverberg on it. Um, who's a non-roster COVID. I mean, their highest paid forward makes 5.8. The meat of their lineup is all somewhere between entry level at 750 and like 2 million bucks. And their defense isn't, it's not a crazy overpaid either. You've got Fowler at 6.5 and Lindholm at 5.2. Lindholm also needing that new deal. Manson needs a new deal as well at 4.1. John Gibson in goal at 6.4. Oh, steal. That, that's a roster that's below the cap floor. The cap floor is 60.2. You've got Kessler chewing up space. Raquel, as you mentioned, hurt. Jones on LTIR at 1-3. You've got $2 million bucks in dead cap for Corey Perry's buyout. Like What they're doing with their NHL roster, money-wise, like they have basically a blank canvas. And I know they're going to need to pay some of these guys. But the best part about Troy Terry's year as he's breaking out and, and, and going to from, you know, hotshot player uh, prospect to star, you know, can he get to that next level of superstar is that he's got another year at one, four, five, which is unbelievable. So <laughs> that team is, is in a really solid spot moving forward to build around provided that these players continue to take that next step. Yeah, hundred percent. So, uh, sticking in the Pacific, uh, we see now the uh, the remnants of the Jack Eichel trade. Vegas uh, welcomed him in on their social media and, and typical Vegas style. They, they do things very well when it comes to marketing. Uh, now he's going to have surgery. Frank he came out and said their whole goal is is three months. And you know you've been saying for a while that his goal was to get to the Olympics. And uh, you know there's I guess if we do three months, it's it's like a week before uh, the Olympics. So there's still that's, a chance. That's what's going to be the tough. Like if you're, if you're Vegas and you're in that spot and Jack Eichel's ready to go, first off, I'd imagine there would need to be some kind of selection in January to even have him be part of the team. Yeah. And maybe in that case they select him. And then if he's not healthy, they can, I don't know what exactly the rules are. I'd have to check on swapping him out before the tournament. Maybe that's the play. If you're team USA, like that's a potential game breaker that you're getting in your, in your lineup that could change the per, you know, perplexion, or that's not even the right word, the perception of the tournament. Um, complexion is what I was trying to say. <laughs> um, what do you do? Like if you're Vegas, you're like, we just gave all this up to get this player. Obviously the Olympics are important to him. How do we say no, but we also don't really want his first action to be, you know, in a team USA sweater instead of a golden Knights sweater for the first time in, you know, however long it's been, 10 months. Yeah. Well, I, I wonder because, you know, let's be real. There, there's a few of those prelim games in the Olympics that might qualify as similar talents as a preseason game. Right. So maybe they yeah, look at USA say, okay. versus China's. Yeah. Right. It so might be 20 and, to nothing before the first period's over. And because of the depth of the roster, you're not expecting him to play 20 minutes a night, right? He might only play 13 or 14. So maybe, maybe those are good feeling games. I wonder. Maybe, but I think the problem is what if he gets hurt? Like, you know, because yeah. this is that experimental from a hockey sense surgery, the big question is, is facing contact. And maybe that is a great way to ease into it. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is, but it's clear to me that the reason why 
the Eichel can't put this pressure on Buffalo to get this, you know, to produce a resolution, either grievance or trade by the end of last week was exactly with this calendar and the Olympics in mind. What, like, if not, what's the difference between November 4th and January 4th? Like they put the pressure on, it had to be for this reason to give him that fighting outside chance. I know a lot of people have looked at it and said, not happening long shot skating in eight weeks is, you know, it opens the door to the possibility of it. So I don't know. And by the way, got to ask you, are you surprised at all that China made the decision to stay in the Olympics? Wow. I'd They're like in to the, know who- the, the tough, maybe the toughest group with yeah. the U S and Canada. Like, I mean, what, what are those games going to look like? I, I think they're looking at it from an experience perspective. I also think there's there's a lot to go into, you know, who's making that decision from the Chinese Federation, Frank. Like I just, I, you know, they want it. They want to feel like, look at us. We can compete. And even though we're going to get blown out, it's still there. Um, I, I think they, they want to be compete. on the ice. That's the answer. Yeah. They, they cannot compete. No, they can't compete. Obviously not. But I, I think if anything, they just want to be able, you know, there's a tendency to have a little bit of propaganda in China, Frank. So <laughs> I don't, yeah, I never heard that before, but yeah. honestly, that's the, that's exactly the reason why I'm surprised they're doing it. Yeah. it. It's a country with an immense amount of pride to have your doors blown off. How does that look to the, to the rest of the world? It's not necessarily, you know, in China, I'm sure there's some pride. Oh, we even have an Olympic hockey team given where the sport was in the country 10 years ago, but still they're going to lose by 20 goals. Oh, they, they're yeah, going like to get might... shellacked by Germany. Yeah. There's the going to be some games. players who, who potentially set Olympic scoring records because of that game. No question about it. Now, wouldn't just the overall game of hockey be better off if, I don't know. The next team up is Norway. Yep. Like, wouldn't wouldn't the sport, the tournament, be better off just having Norway sub in for China? All that said, a hundred percent. I would agree with you wholeheartedly. It doesn't it doesn't look great when you have those blowouts. Although, if you look at the basketball, like look at Team USA and some of their scores at the Olympics over the years, right? Like they absolutely obliterated teams. So, you know, I, I guess they're. They're, they're gonna, they want the, they want the but, skill but to showcase itself. But here's the difference, itself. though. The, the, this is the difference, is that when those tournaments were played and the host nation, which gets the automatic bid into the tournament, it, it's played in a sport where, like, that sport actually existed in the country previously. Yeah, fair. I mean, this is, this is an entirely new venture. This is, yeah. it's not the same comparison. But the end result was still blowouts, right? So if, if we're talking the end result, regardless of how they got there, they're still going to be um, like, didn't us, my memory is um, I, I thought the one year in like the night, didn't they win by like 70 points or something ridiculous? I got to go back. There were a ton point. of blowouts for a long time. And then the funny thing is the U S team and basketball started losing games recently to teams that they otherwise would have beaten by 50 points previously. And so yeah. there has been an immense shift. All I'm saying is that since, China is the host since they're a proud country, since they like to present things to the public eye, maybe a little bit different than they are in reality. That's why I'm surprised. Do you think the NHL players for Canada and specifically Canada and the U S are they going to score 20? Do you think they're going to pull off the dogs? At what point do they let let up a 10 or 12? Like I want probably they probably institute the old rule that I would with, you know, my eight, you five passes. Yeah. Make three or five passes. Once you cross the red line, like, yeah, 
Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what's funny? Uh, we'll bring in uh, Tyler Ramchuk. Uh, he was telling me in his men's league game, they still uh, implement that rule every now and then in the third period. So if they're on too big of a blowout. What, when your team is losing, Tyler? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last night, the other team's goalie didn't show up. So they had to put a skater in net. And that was oh. the rule is you had, to, you had to make three passes before you before you found <laughs> the back. There, there you go. Boom. A little bit interesting. We were missing our goalie this weekend, so we had a skater in net both days, and it was not pretty for our eight. Okay, so when you guys had skaters in net, like they're just in because the guy there's no equipment, right? So you're no, just they, your we sk- have like a, a set of equipment at the rink that the skater wears, but still, oh. like he's never like literally the first time yeah. he ever played goalie was Saturday morning on the in the game. <laughs> Ty, what about you? Your guys, did he have goalie equipment? Yeah, he brought like the guy, the goalie that usually plays to their team, like knew he wasn't going to make it. So some other guy went and picked up his gear and oh, okay. he was actually oh. pretty good. He had a nice, like, we were all like, damn, this guy's a pretty good glove hand. Then in the I'm third sorry. period, we were sitting I'm and we we're like, holy smokes, we're only up by two guys. Like we got to, we got to pick up the base here. Huh. I thought I, you guys would be the Maple Leafs for a second. Eh? Smelled like. Eh. Yeah, probably. I am not wearing yeah, not someone probably. else's gear. I don't care what the situation is. Not happening. The other thing too, you guys were talking about China and the Olympics. Um, from a sports betting perspective, what do they set the spread at? Like what, when it's China, Canada, 18 oh and God. a half, 17 and a half. Like, what do you do? How do you factor no, it's probably in? It's got to be like, it's probably got to be like 10. Oh, at least. Yeah. But where do you, like, you got to yeah, factor but when in. When does like Canada just stop skate? Like is the yeah. point. Yeah. Obviously China's not going to score, but yeah. at what, you know, do, is it at 10 goals? Like, do they just they're like, ah, we're good. And, and even if the spreads 10, I'm assuming at 10, Canada is still the favorite or the U.S. Well, yeah, it'll be whatever, minus 10 at even money. Oh, and buddy, big money on China is what you're saying. That might be that might be your best odds for the tournament. <laughs> There's no way. All right, let's get into uh, fill in the blank. It's brought to you by our friends over at DoorDash, where you can use the promo code RUNDOWNDD. Gets you 25% off and no delivery fees on your first order. That Connor McDavid goal on Friday night certainly had people talking. I want your answer to this one to just be one word, though. The goal by McDavid on Friday was blank. Jason? Um, One word. I will say electrifying. The building was electric after he scored it, too. That was one of the best regular season games at Rogers Place in a while. Frank? Ballsy. I mean... Also fair enough. Think about the... The balls the size of a dump truck you need to be crossing over the blue line and staring at four guys and you're like, nah, I'm good, I got this. Like, how's that? Like, I, he even mentioned it after the game. It's not typically my job to pick through four guys, but in this case, I, you know, I saw an opening. Like, that's insane. Like, what is season nice, opening though? when they're staring at four guys? Like, imagine if he even like his celebration on ice was unreal. But imagine if after the game, he even kind of cracked a smile. Like, yeah, that was a pretty nice goal. Like, he was so downplayed. I'm he, like, dude, come on. Like, at least like, yes, a Arby, I thought had the best realistic response when he said, well, I, I was like, hmm, I watch him. I'm wondering what he's going to do. And then I just started laughing because it was funny at how like what he's doing. And and Arby does it. Obviously, English isn't his, his first language, but you could tell he was just like, like, realistically, that's funny for an NHL player to think that you could do that because you shouldn't be able to do that against four defenders and a goaltender. That's video game stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely wild. Uh, we're about a month into the season here. So I thought we would maybe go back and we'll start by giving ourselves some credit. Then we'll poke a little bit of fun at ourselves, but let's go with this. The preseason prediction that you're the most proud of that you made the one that you think you nailed Jason. 
Well, picking the orders to win the Pacific. Everyone was mocking me. I was the only one who did it. So I'll go with that one. I believe you oh, were called a homer on a certain podcast. Frank, yeah. That's Well, but then I, you, you did remind me that this is the first time you've ever picked the Oilers. Yeah, so true. I, I enjoyed that. Um, I... I don't know. I had so many bad ones, like so many, like Craig. Give us a good good one, though. Yeah, give us a good one first. What's one that you think you nailed? I feel pretty good about the Jets at this point. They started uh, 0-2-1, and and they're 6-3-2. I don't know. All right, now it's the... they're way better. Now it's the flip side of that. The thing you were most wrong about one month into the season. Frank? Uh, one of my 32 bold predictions was that Craig Berube would be the first coach fired. Not only was it Jeremy Colleton, but the fact that the blues started off undefeated and were one of the five or four teams that have started five and Oh, the most in NHL history. And now are seven, two and one, like that is, I deserve to eat a shit sandwich for that. <laughs> oh, mine's easy. It's the blues and the Hawks. I had them. Oh, I had the Hawks in and the blues out. It looks terrible, right? By now. the way, some guy tweeted me that over the weekend. He's like, still thinking about that time. Frank picked the blues out and the Hawks in. And I had to respond and be like, wrong guy. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah, it's early though. The Hawks are coming, Frank. Dare, dare yeah, to dream. Oh yeah. Okay. Dare to dream. <laughs> a couple more for you guys. The Colorado avalanche sputtering along here in the, in the, in the first month of the season, the Avs will finish blank in the central. Oh, I still think they'll finish first. Like when you look really? at their team, first the reason they're the reason they're losing is their best players aren't playing up to their capabilities. Nathan McKinnon has one goal in ten games. I don't see that happen. Now I know he's missed two, but in their first ten games, he has one goal. Rantanen has, uh, I think, five points. Um, Kale McCarr has was on the ice for way too many goals uh, against rather than goals for at five on five. Like when your best players are are mainly the the issue. I have no problem in believing it'll turn around. They'll they'll I, I think. Colorado's a team that's like their whole focus was playoffs, 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 that they're just kind of like in a funk and they'll come around. I, I think they finished second. I, I don't know why then if I have them finishing second that I was like first, but yes, <laughs> I think All they right. finished second. I still got Jets winning the division. Another interesting one here. Let's go out east to the Montreal Canadiens. will finish blank in the Atlantic. Someone got one right off the top. Well, Carey Price is coming back. Yeah. Um, I, I think they're going to finish ahead of uh, Ottawa. And I, I'll say they finished sixth. I I think they finished eighth. You really think they're going to come last? I, there's something wrong with that team. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't know that Carey Price is saving it. Fair enough. There you go. That uh, puts a wrap on another edition of Fill in the Blank, brought to you by our friends at DoorDash. Don't sleep on the Sens. Yeah, I know. Sens got a ways to go. They got some, they'll probably be a very good team in the second half, Frank. That's probably a very fair assessment. We're, we're also, like, the Sabres are yeah, regressing to the mean. They're, yeah, yeah, they've they're lost four in a row. Reality. Yeah. yeah. Which I, we what about the Bruins, though? No one's talking about the Bruins. I said Bruins out of the playoffs. Everyone no, is I didn't giving pick me either. Everyone said never even considered that the Bruins wouldn't make the playoffs. That was one of my bold predictions as well. Best long shot. I think it was uh, plus 500 for the Bruins to miss the playoffs on points bet. Plus 500. Loved it. What do you, what do you make of Detroit's start? I mean, first off, they've been really fun to watch. 
Lucas Raymond has been ridiculous. Tyler Bertuzzi, so long as it's in the U.S., has been their best player. Um, I mean, they've gotten the goaltending. If you look at the start Nadelkovic and Grice have had, it's been pretty good. Um, they just – I think Lucas Raymond has been one of those guys that's given them so much energy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think they're a playoff team, but I, the fact that they're in the – you know – that they've been really good and watchable is a really good sign for their future. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to uh, to see that. I've watched a few of their games, and you're right about Lucas Raymond, man. Electrifying play. He's really living up to a lot of the scouting reports if you, if you read them in depth about what the uh, scouts From when he was like 15. Yeah, like they've really, you know, really dynamic offensive player. They thought he might need some time to mature. Well, he, he's obviously done that, and, uh, you know, he looks fantastic. And I do wonder, if, let's say Detroit is right on the cusp, and you miss the playoffs by two or three points. Because your leading scorer had to miss nine games. Like, I wonder how, if, if there'll be any, you know, any anger amongst that organization. Because he's a difference maker right now in Bertuzzi. And so when he's not in the lineup, and so that's nine games out of 82, right? Like, that's that's a pretty significant, th- when it's when it's non-injury related, you know what I mean? When it's choice related. Yeah, well, Scott Burnside had a great riff on this in Garbage Time the other day on the Daily Faceoff show. Just basically saying, where's the leadership Steve Eiserman is is one of those guys that has been looked at as sort of the, you know, prototypical, the model captain in the NHL. Now he's running that franchise. And why hasn't there been more talk about this? The fact that he is Tyler Bertuzzi, the only unvaccinated player in the NHL at this point, and actively sitting out games. It's been three now that he's missed due to that. So it's, it's not anything about the pay. It's, it's the question of what's the commitment to the rest of the team? Like if you're sitting in that room, are you looking at Bertuzzi going, this guy's not all in for the rest of us because we've all done what you don't want to do. That's a fair question. Now, before we go, we haven't talked about the Metro, Frank, the most competitive from top to bottom. If you look at that, you know, Unreal. Deep in, in the basement right now in eighth place. And uh, what is it? Four, three and three, I think, in the, for eighth place. In the, have, you, yeah. have, have you seen anything from any of those teams that makes you believe for sure that they're out? That they're out? Yeah, like they won't be, you know, like, because it's hard to say right now. I'm not sure you can say for sure there's one that's like, yeah, like I still not sold yet on New Jersey, but they're right there. Columbus has been one of the stories of the season so far. No one's yes. really been talking about Columbus. Seven and three, Brad Larson has that. We we knew when we had Brad Larson on the rundown a couple months back, we, we I think we both looked at each other after the, the, the call and the pod, and we were like, dude, I, I'd skate through a wall for that guy. Honest clear, concise, you know, you're never going to be wondering where you stand or what he'd like for you to do. And they've been really good. I mean, everyone, like uniformly, everyone picked that team to finish eighth in the division. I don't know that you can say anything with any degree of certainty in the Metro. Not like, not even who's going to, you know, I think Carolina is going to win the division, but I, I, I don't know for sure. Yeah, that's fair. Now, I want to get a quick look ahead brought to you by ESPN+. Plus. They become a must-have for hockey fans. You can get access to more than 1,000 out-of-market NHL games, 75 weekly national games, plus stream thousands of live events with the best leagues and the biggest tournaments in the world, exclusive originals, the complete 30 for 30 library, 
premium articles and fantasy tools, and much more with ESPN+. Plus. Sign up now at ESPNplus.com slash DFO. And Frank, the reason I want to mention that is because we mentioned all the out-of-town market games you can watch. Some games for me that I think uh, fans will want to watch. Uh, we talked about uh, Lucas Raymond. How about Lucas Raymond and Bertuzzi? You're going to have three of the top five NHL scorers going at it tomorrow night in Detroit. McDavid and Dreisaitl, Bertuzzi and uh, and Raymond. Uh, Frank has the, uh, the the Winnipeg Jets, of course. St. Louis Blues, they're also on uh, on Wednesday night. Quickly, give me your thoughts, Frank, about, uh, you know, Detroit got by Vegas last night. Mm-hmm. Now, Vegas isn't the same, and, and Lauren Bersois didn't have a g- great game. But, you know, what do you make of, you know, when the orders come to town, all of a sudden, the orders are a team that a lot of opposing fans want to see because of their top two guys. Yeah, I mean, no question. At one point, well, not at one point, for a long time, you know, if you lived in the East, like that was a game that you sold your tickets to. You're like, ah, I don't, I don't need to see the Oilers, a team that we barely see that isn't very competitive. That's the team you were selling your tickets for. Now you're trying to buy as many as you can get to take your kid to see a player like Connor McDavid for the first time live and in person. And another one uh, later on in the week on Friday, a team we really haven't talked about, Frank, at all, but we should give props to uh, to Daryl Sutter and the Calgary Flames. Yep. Like yeah, Jacob I mean, Markstrom, are, are you kidding me? They're playing the Leafs. Both teams are rolling right now on Friday. That's another game that I think people will want to watch. But quickly give me your thoughts. The stat is on- so clear on Calgary. 22 yeah. goals against. Yeah. Hey, Lowest Markstrom. in the West by a pretty decent margin. The Blues are at 25. No other team aside from the Oilers is in the 20s. The the Oilers are at 28 and the flames have played one more game than, than both those teams. Yeah, they're 22 they're goals defense. against in 11 games. That's two. <laughs> yeah. You're going to well, win. Markstrom's um, got four shutouts, but that's, that's exact. We all kind of were like, everyone likes to rip on Daryl Sutter, but he's been saying it forever. We're not trying to win games five, four. They're yeah. trying to win three, two. All they need to do is score three. Pretty simple game at that point. Well, yeah, like Markstrom, like early on, if you go for first 10 games, to me, it's it's now him and Freddie Anderson would be one, two. But I just look at what Markstrom's doing uh, in Calgary. Man, it's you got four shutouts like it's ridiculous where almost every second game you're thinking the guy's getting a shutout. It's crazy. Well, they needed him to bounce back in such a big way. He was so with all the excitement heading into last year with him after the the season that he had two years ago in Vancouver, everyone's like, oh man, you know, this is our guy. We, you know, we're paying big money to get him. And he was just so average last year, 904. I mean, he keeps playing like this. This is, this is a Vezina season. Frank, uh, Lots of teams have got, we didn't really get to Florida or Carolina. We'll touch on them on uh, Friday. Of course, Florida stops Carolina from tying the NHL record for 10 consecutive wins to start the regular season. But here's the thing. Florida's off to their best start in franchise history. Carolina's off to their best start in franchise history. The Edmonton Oilers have never won nine of 10 games, even with Gretzky and Messi and Coffey and all those guys who were in town for Kevin Lowe's jersey retirement. Uh, they're off to their best start. You mentioned the, the Blues, but you know there's some teams that are red hot, and I'm curious to see you know, how they're going to continue or which other ones flip. Toronto seems to have found their way a little yep. bit. Calgary's great. You mentioned, you know, the the Anaheim Ducks have have really surprised people. And, um, you know, the, the Philadelphia Flyers, to me, Frank, quickly before we end, I want to ask you about the team that you're in the city. Um, mm-hmm. What's your... What's your analysis of the Flyers? The only team that's beaten the Edmonton Oilers this season. They, they've, they've looked really good some games and then others kind of what have you. So what do you make of the Flyers? Yeah, I think 
I think even the Flyers themselves, if we're being honest, they're still trying to figure out what to make of the Flyers because they have had those those nights where you're like, man, holy smokes, like this team could be something. And then they've had a few other ones where you're like, eh, not so much. But I, I look at a game like Saturday night against Washington, just no no fluff to it. It was just pure hard hat on, you know, workman like hockey, grind out a road win and, and against a good team like Washington, it's another strong sign for, for Philly that, you know, th- that they might have something. I think a lot of people were unsure where to put the flyers. Are they second or third in the Metro or are they sixth or seventh? And it varied everywhere between because so much of it, I think also depended on Carter Hart and the type of season that he would have. Uh, Martin Jones gets the win the other night. Jones has been way better. You said that he would be better. I wasn't sure. And, and Hart has been way more consistent this season to start. Frank, good stuff, man. We will talk to you on Friday. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Cervalli and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.